Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Just make up your own words. It's, it's, it's Jericho time. So what I want to do this morning, I want to answer uh, some questions when it comes to Jericho. Uh, why Jericho? Why a conference on deliverance? Why a conference on healing? Why would we uh, want to do this? Is it for uh, entertainment? You know, did we come in here this morning like you see this scene from Gladiator and you see all these, these fans cheering and shouting. Is, is that kind of what your worship experience was? Like, I'm here to be entertained. Are we going to go out this week and we're going to have this conference and be walking up and down the streets and have these messages so that we can be entertainment for certain people? For the people driving by, for the people at the park, for the neighbors around the community, for some of us who are on the sidelines watching, is this about entertainment or is it something more than that? The main character, Maximus, in this, in this movie, he's using a circus uh, for entertainment. That's what the guy came up to him and told him, like, hey, you can't just get in there and kill quick. You've got to entertain the people. So they put him in this circus uh, for people to watch and be entertained, but this is a man of war. Yeah. He spent his whole life fighting battles for life or death. Everybody else is there just watching, but he's in the middle of a battle for his life. It's life or death for him. It's not entertainment for him. Jericho could be a time of entertainment. It could be a time of cool experiences. You know, uh, yesterday, my, my youngest, you know, Niall's six years old now, and he says uh, on the way home, 10 o'clock at night, he says, Mommy, we're going to do the song uh, from, from Jericho. And we're trying to figure out, what are you talking about? Well, you know Jericho's coming up. But he was, th he was thinking about the song that we did today, uh, Waymaker. Because last year, that was a new song at, at Jericho. We did it every week. A year later, a six-year-old is thinking about a song that says, Jesus is my miracle maker. He's my way maker. You know why? Because it's not about entertainment for a six-year-old. Right. <laughs> Some of us are just entertained with a song. And some of us are fighting for life and death. I know in my life that it's not about being entertained this week. It's not about having a cool experience, getting outside of the church, having, having service under the stars and all that kind of stuff. It's not about any of that. I'm still fighting life and death battles. Amen. I'm still fighting battles for my marriage. Amen. I'm still fighting battles for my children. I'm still fighting battles for my ministry. All these things the enemy wants to take from me. He wants to kill these things in me, right? And I have to go out and actually fight a battle. I don't have time to entertain people. I've got things that I need to deal with. And hopefully this morning, you've already begun to realize that you do as well. Somebody say amen. amen. Look, at, look at his enemy. Uh, those of you who have seen this movie, you know, the, the guy that was talking to him, he's a slave owner, and he basically owns Maximus right here. And he's telling Maximus, get in there and entertain the people. These people that are coming uh, against you for your life, I want you to play around with them enough to entertain people. Think about that for a second. And then Maximus basically, like, like Raymond, I'm going to paraphrase, Maximus looks at this guy and he says, you know what, I could show you scars that I have when I tried to entertain my adversaries. 
When I tried to play around with my adversaries because I thought that I couldn't be touched, I couldn't be cut, I couldn't be hurt, and I messed around with my adversaries to entertain other people, let me show you how the adversary got me here and got me here and got me here. These are scars from messing around with my adversary. When it comes to our enemy, there's no time to play around. There's no time to entertain others. I remember the healing and the deliverance that came into my life when I first came to Jesus, right? Some of you can remember that. You know, you guys have heard a lot of my testimony before, but, but quick piece. I remember uh, crying out to Jesus saying, you got to be real. you got to help me show up right now, today, tonight, this moment, show up. And I had been getting high for every day for about eight, nine years, and then I got uh, miraculously delivered. Jesus showed up and I never got high again. It was like, dang, Lord, like, not only are you real, but you can heal and you can deliver and you can stop things that were, I was so addicted, so addicted. I would wake up thinking about it. I would go to bed sleep thinking about it. I knew where all the friend's stashes were. And look, if we weren't going to uh, find it, it's your fault you weren't home. Like it was that bad. And then in a moment delivered, right? But then I also remember other areas of my life, right? Like I got saved and, and the, the drugs were gone and uh, I didn't drink for a little while, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be one of those cool, casual drinking Christians. Like I could handle it. You know what I mean? Like, like what's a beer here and there? What's, what's a little bit of this, a little bit of that? Like I got, I'm a, I'm a connoisseur, I, I like nice drinks. And I remember uh, the few times that I, that I tried to do that, uh, getting loaded, getting completely loaded. I was already saved, and I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, once I was already a pastor. And the people that I was drinking with, I was thinking to myself, like, this only happens once or twice a year, but it's like, it was so, like, deeply rooted in me and so sad that God showed up and he told me, he said, look, let me show you what this is going to cost you. Just let me show you. You can have it, but let me show you what it's going to cost you. And I thought to myself, man, it's going to cost me my marriage. It's going to cost me my fatherhood. It's going to cost me my ministry. It's going to cost me my ability to actually minister to people because I want to be a casual drinker. God said to me the same thing that uh, uh, I feel like Maximus was saying to, to his owner, like, you don't have time to play around with sin. You don't have time to try to entertain people. Yes. You got to get in there and kill it. And then it was time for Jericho. Miraculous deliverance on day one. I didn't even ask for it. I didn't ask to be healed of getting high. He just did it. And then in this other area, he was like, okay, now I got to show you some things. We got to walk through some things. You got to suffer some loss and you're going to have to battle and fight a war to get through this enemy. That's what Jericho is about. Intensifying the fight, saying, I'm not going to ignore this. I'm not going to drag this out, and I'm going to realize that this is actually a life or death battle for me. It's not a game. It's not a joke. So people ask me, why don't you drink? If it's not a sin, why don't you do that? And I say, like Paul says, hey, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. I could if I want to. I don't want to. It's hard enough at my age just getting up when you haven't been drinking the night before. I think about it all the time. When I wake up to go to work, I'm like, how do people still party? Last night, we took the kids to a concert. I thought I was going to be the cool dad. Like, Nate, I'm going to take you to a rap concert. Lecrae, Andy Mineo, we're going to do it. And then Mary's like, I want to go too because I'm young and free. I just got back from Elevate with the youth. So we took all the kids. It said started at 12. So I'm old. I feel like 12 o'clock, they got four or five artists. We'll be home by 6. At 6 o'clock, four of the six artists hadn't even made it to the stage yet. And I'm like, I'm tired. I'm hot. I'm, the kids are tired and hot. They don't even want to be there. But I'm like, we bought these tickets. We're going to be here all night. We barely made it. Completely exhausted, completely drained, arguing with each other, eating Del Taco at 1130 at night to go to a dang concert. And I'm thinking to myself, how do people still drink anything? How do you smoke any? How do you stay out past midnight? Dang, I'm old. I'm sorry. It's lawful, but it's not profitable. I tell people, look, a lot of people don't like to say it this way, but I was an addict. You, just because you think you had control, you didn't have no dang control. I was an addict, right? 
I have a history in my family with alcoholism. Right? I've seen everything that I ever wanted as a kid with my family, with my parents, with my grandparents, great, all of them destroyed by addiction. But I think I'm saved now and I can control it. No, I'm not going to do that. This is a Jericho in my life. I'm not going to live with it. I want my family more than I want that. I want to be able to look at my kids soberly more than I want that. I want to be able to go anywhere at any time if somebody calls me and there's a need more than I want that. I want to be able to minister to addicts. I get so frustrated and, and, and other pastors, other leaders, sometimes they get, they get angry with me because we'll have that conversation. I'll say, well, look, man, I minister to a lot of people who are addicts and are coming off of addiction. I'm not going to tell them, hey, you probably shouldn't do this, but I'll catch up with you tomorrow because I'm going to go do my thing. No, we're going to walk through this together soberly Amen. to get where God is trying to take us. Amen. But not easy. <laughs> That's why it's called the Jericho, because it's not easy. The point is this, there's deliverance that comes without labor. There's deliverance that comes without even asking for it, right? God will just do things in your life. And then there's deliverance that comes through war as you walk with Jesus, right? Maximus is fighting battles. They are wars, they're life and death. It's not easy to get where he's trying to go. So this morning, I've had a few different titles for the, for the message, but I've settled on this one. The message title this morning is, Tell Me My Story. Tell Me my story. Jericho's about taking a seven-day journey into battle with the Lord. It's really like a chapter of your story more than it's your whole story, Amen. but the Jericho chapters of your story are very important. That's what we're saying this morning. We're saying to God, Lord, tell me my story. The Lord said to Joshua, after he takes over for Moses, he says, walk around the city silently for seven days. It's a fortified city. Six of those days, you're going to walk around once. You're going to be silent. On the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times. You're going to be silent. Then he says that the priests are going to blow these trumpets. And when those trumpets are blown, everybody's going to shout. And these walls are going to come crashing down. This morning, I want to focus on that seven-day period of actually walking around the walls. To me, the most important part of our Jericho experience this week will be when you're walking around the walls and you're asking the Lord, uh, come tell me my story. That's what you're saying as you're walking around. You're saying, okay, Lord, tell me my story about this Jericho in my life. Tell me my story about this wall. How did this wall get here? I didn't even see the enemy when he was building it. How deep are these footings? Like, I can see the wall from my perspective, but how, how deep down, how deeply rooted is this actual wall? Do the footings go down two feet or do they go down 20 feet? Is this just something I got involved in when I was in high school? Or is this something that my parents and grandparents had in my bloodstream before I even got here? Lord, tell me my story. Lord, how thick is this wall? I can see how tall it is from my perspective, but is it two feet thick or is it 20 feet thick? Lord, tell me my story. Lord, as I'm walking around silently for six, seven days, uh, Lord, why don't you tell me, is this something that I have any chance of bringing down on my own? Lord, why don't you show me if I did everything I could for as long as I could, and I gave it all the effort that I have, is this something that I can overcome on my own or is it not? Lord, tell me my story. See, it's much easier to hang out in areas of your life that are uh, not Jericho's, right? Like, we're going to choose to spend seven days walking around that, but you could just as easily say, I'm going to go hang out over there. I'm going to go hang out over here with the young people where it's fun and we're like, we're all on fire and God is good and he's moving. Why are we going to go walk around this? Why? Because we didn't get saved for easy. I didn't get saved for some of what God has. I got saved for all of what God has. God looked out and he showed Moses. He said, look at all that. It's all yours. Go get it, but you got to fight. Yeah. Joshua, look, it's going to be amazing. There's land for everybody. It has your name on it, Keon. It has your name on it, Liz. It has your name on it, Sarah. It's literally yours. But there's giants there and you got to fight. We didn't get saved for easy. One of the things I love watching people do when they get to church is, like, when they meet Jesus 
and they're like, man, I love Jesus and I love this church and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to worship and, and things that used to think there's no way I could do that every Sunday. I'm going to go there. <laughs> every Wednesday. Remember we said Bible said every Wednesday. You're one of those crazy, but you go on Sunday and Wednesday. <laughs> and then that becomes easy to them. And then like Raymond was talking about in the area of tithing and giving, at first for many of us it's really, really hard. But then once you start doing it, it's just easy. You come home and you're like, hey, did you pay the tithe? Did you, did you send the text message in? Did you get on the app? Did you t- All right, take care of that. And you just, it's so easy. I love watching when people get used to that kind of stuff and it's like, oh, ministry? Okay, it's Jericho week. We're going to be taking care of the kids and we've got to do set up outside in the sun. And, and all of a sudden it's just easy. And then... <laughs> That person says, you know what, I, I think I need to deal with this anger issue. And they start trying to work on the anger issue, and they're like chopping away at it, and they're like, dang, this is bigger than I thought it was. Yeah. Then they start walking around, they're like, man, this selfish issue is, man, tithing and going to church is, but my selfishness, my bitterness, my unforgiveness, my impatience, all that kind of stuff, when you realize you come up against something that you cannot fix on your own, as a pastor, oh, it's a sight to see. It's like, oh, look, they're going to realize they need Jesus again. Amen. Watch this. Watch, 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 watch. Watch. Hey, how's that anger going? Hey, how's that? Why don't you go help that person and the look on their face like, Pastor, you know that I hate them. <laughs> you know I hate them. You can ask me to do anything else. I'll show up to all seven days of Jericho. I'll be the first one and the last one. I'll clean up everything. But don't ask me to actually help that person. I hate them. <laughs> Jericho. <laughs> Such a good place to be. Don't you wish you went to one of those other churches that just pump you up and don't tell you about real life? We need Jesus. So where do we start? This is the goal for, for today is, is to help you today already, but definitely for tomorrow. Where do you start? Youngest in the room, oldest in the room. Psalm chapter 139, verse 23. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a psalm, which means David is singing this out. David is crying out to God. He's saying, God, tell me my story. Search me. Know my heart. Tell me my anxieties. Go deep. Show me the whole Jericho, God. If there's anything that ain't right, redirect me. Lead me where you want me to go, God. David says, let's go for a little seven-day walk, Lord. If you want to know where you need to start, if you haven't done it yet, you need to do it now. You need to do it tonight. You need to do it tomorrow morning. You definitely need to do it before you show up to the park tomorrow night. Search me, oh God. Show me what it is. So here's how the Lord responds. He's going to tell David a story. David has a lot of stories. David has a lot of chapters in his story. I heard uh, Mary talking about it as we were seeing she said, uh, he's still slaying giants. That's because of David. That's one of the chapters. You know, if you open David's book, you could, you could flip to it like most of us want to do. Where's that giant slaying chapter? What did, what did Ray say? He brought, a, he brought a rock to a knife fight. Oh, I love that chapter. Great chapter. David's got a crown king chapter, right? He's taking care of some sheep. Dad says, go feed your brothers. He goes to feed his brothers, Right? Slays a giant. This man comes to the house and then chooses him. He's a little runt that nobody wants to talk to. Hey, you're going to be king. Oh, what a great chapter, right? I love that chapter. David has a spare the life of the man who is trying to murder him chapter. He's throwing spears at him. And then David has a chance. He's in the cave. Nobody sees him. He could stab him right in the back and kill him. And he's supposed to be king already so he can take the throne. But David has a chapter where he spares his life and he says, look, man, I love you, even though you're trying to kill me. Great chapters. He has a lot of chapters like that. But that ain't one we're going to look at today. (laughs) In your life, I'm sure you have a lot of great chapters. But in David's life today, we're going to look at a Jericho chapter. 
And this week in your life, I'm hoping that you're gonna look at a Jericho chapter. I'd love to talk to you next week about all of your giant slaying, crown king, crown queen chapters. But this week, let's deal with our Jerichos, amen? amen. So this is 2 Samuel chapter 12. From verse one, it says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. Say Nathan. Nathan. You guys have a pastor named Nathaniel. You know what's my name, Nathan? Nathaniel? Don't tell nobody else though. <laughs> the Lord sent Nathan to David. The Lord sent me to you. The Lord's going to send us all kinds of other ministers this week, but the Lord sends people. Somebody say amen. Yes. So the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, David, there are two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing. Say nothing. nothing. Except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives... The man who has done this shall surely die, and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if it had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you've despised me and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I'll take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child. David fasted and went in and laid all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day, say seventh day. Seventh day. On the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell them that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, he perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, went into his house of the Lord, went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house. And when he requested, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, why is it that you have done? What is it that you've done? You fasted and wept for the child when he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept for I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may, might live? But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and he went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son and called his name Solomon. And now the Lord loved him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are willing to uh, tell us the stories of other men and the stories of other women, Lord. 
what it is that they've gone through, what it is that they've done, what it is that they've experienced, Lord, and how you've come into their lives, you've come into their stories, you've come into their situations and circumstances, Lord. You've done all that, th all that for our edification, to help us, Lord, to guide us and to teach us. You say that there's nothing new under the sun. You say that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. The things that you have taught David, the things that you taught Bathsheba, Lord God, we want to learn those things this morning. We want to come into a deeper relationship with you, Lord God. We all come into this place with, with uh, chapters like this in our own lives and in our own stories, Lord God. But we know that you're still writing our stories. So we just pray that you would help us this morning. We pray that you would minister to us this morning. We pray that you would uh, write an amazing end to our stories, Lord. We love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So for David, this is a very difficult seven-day Jericho journey with the Lord. I think it's great that it, uh, it was seven days um, that it took for this process to, to happen in his lives because it just makes our conference that much better. That's not why. <laughs> I think it's great because uh, God just has a way of, of teaching us things at the right time and in the right way. I want to share a couple of things from this story. And then I'm going to release you guys to, uh, to start your seven-day journey a little bit early. Number one is that it is what it is. Verse 5 says, David, David's anger was greatly aroused against this man. Right? Nathan's telling the story. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who's done this will surely die. He shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. David's hot. He's angry. He thinks this is a real man in his kingdom that's done something. He's like, let's track him down. We're going to kill him. We're going to tell everybody in the nation that if you behave like this, you're deserving of death. And before we kill him, he's going to have to pay back this man for the lamb that he took for him. God wants you and I to see the issues of our lives for what they really are. He wants us to see it separately from how it feels to us. And before we start making excuses about how we got involved in it. You have a Jericho, and God does not want to initially talk to you about, you know, Lord, this is why I'm this way, and this is how it started, and I didn't even really want to get involved in this, and, and if you could see it from my perspective, and it's been so long, he doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to deal with that first. He wants you to be able to separate yourself from your Jericho and say, this is ugly. This is deadly. This is sin. This is wrong, regardless of how it affects me or how it came to be a part of my life. Amen. He could have easily came to David and said, hey, let's talk about the Bathsheba situation. But he separated. He said, look, I'm going to tell you a story. How do you feel about this story, David? That man deserves death. Well, you're the man, so you're telling me you know you deserve death for this. How do you see your Jericho right now? Do you see it separately from how you feel and what your story is and how it came to be just for what it is? The sooner you can see it that way, the better off you'll be. I believe that that's part of walking around it for six days. You get to see it for what it is. You get to know it for what it is. David, when he's talking to God earlier, you remember we, uh, uh, we talked about him saying, God, search me. Show me. Look at, see if there's any wickedness in me. I know myself, Lord. Look inside of me. And if there's anything, you just tell me and I'll take care of it. Let me tell you what he was saying before that to God. Same scripture, Psalm 139, verse 16, though. This is, again, it's a song. So listen, to, imagine David singing this. He says to God, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me. When as that there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Look, look at this. God, you knew me before I was formed, before, before I was even conceived. You had all my life written. You think about me. I go to sleep and I wake up. There you are at the foot of my bed saying, David, another day, let's do it. That's how he starts off this song. And then he says this. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. 
Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you, God, wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who you hate? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I hate your enemies. I hate the wicked. I hate sinners. I hate people that take your name in vain. And oh God, I just want you to destroy all wickedness and all sin in this world. And then God tells him a story about his own life. And he says, you know what, David, you're actually the wicked one. In this chapter, you are my enemy. <laughs> you are the one that deserves to be slayed. Do you hate yourself in this area like you did in, in Psalm 139? I hate the wicked. I hate your enemies. I hate those that take your name in vain. Can you see yourself in that light? It's a tough place to be in, but I have to ask everybody this morning, will you hate the sin that's in you? Like David said, I hate it with, with, uh, with perfect hatred. When you see the Jericho in your life, are you able to say, I hate this? <laughs> I hate it because you hate it, Lord. I don't like to see myself as your enemy, but right now I am, I am your enemy in this area. We can easily look at the sin in others' lives like David was here and get so angry, right? Some of you this week have been thinking about other people in this church, not nah, in other churches. We're all perfect here, but you know those people in other churches? You've been thinking about them, and you're like, that's because of sin in their life. That's what they get for acting that way. If they would just really serve God the right way. And it's so easy to see it, right? We have, like, like sin radar, where we could see it in everybody's life. But how about in the mirror? All of a sudden, we can't see it. First part of your Jericho, if you're going to get any kind of freedom, you've got to see it for what it is. It is what it is. It's ugly, it's dark, it's wrong, it's, 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 uh, it's an adversary of God. It's not going to change. It is what it is. Let's go on to number two. Verse 10 says, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you've despised me. You've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm going to raise up adversity against you from your own house. I'll take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. He shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I'll do these things before all Israel, before the son. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Number two, there are consequences. Make no mistake about it. This week is not about going out there and saying, God, I'm going to walk around the wall. I'm going to look at this Jericho. You're going to bring the walls down, and then my life is going to be smooth sailing, and it's all good. No, there's probably going to be consequences. When we do wrong, when we sin, when we act evilly, when we allow these things in our lives, there is collateral damage. Wake up and smell the coffee. God says to David here, look, you're going to have adversaries from within your own home. One of his sons tried to kill him. The, the sons argued with each other and fought each other. They served other leaders and tried to get David overthrown. He has a son that dies. Like all this bad stuff started to happen. But it was a consequence God's, God draws back to this Jericho in his life. Who are you and I to think that there's not going to be consequences for our Jerichos? Man, I just love telling the truth. I ain't just telling it to you. I'm telling it to me. Like there's consequences. Get ready for it. Right? You know, Raymond talked about, you know, hey, tell Edison and the gas company, look, this month that 50's got to go to Jericho, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with something else. But there's going to be consequences, right? Like you are still going to get that late fee that he was talking about. Maybe next year you will have gone through the financial peace class and you could pay your bills and go to conference. Who knows, Lord? <laughs> but there's consequences. There's going to be a cost. God told David this too. He said, listen, you've been building this Jericho in private, but I'm actually going to uh, have you pay your prices and your consequences out in public. Yep. Ooh. Is this the Bible? Is there another chapter we could read? He said, look, 
you and Bathsheba on, on the rooftop and then you snuck down into, into her room and then you brought her husband back in the middle of the night and you got him killed when you sent him back out to war. Nobody saw that, but I saw. Nobody saw what you were building in your little Jericho. But when it comes time to pay the price, it's going to be for everybody to see. Why should that, why is it not as fearful for David and why should it not be fearful for us? I don't want it to be that way. I'll be honest with you. Most of us spend our time trying not to be exposed. It's tough to be exposed. It's tough to have your business out there. Why is it not such a difficult thing for David? Listen to what David says in verse 13. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. When you know that this is a consequence, not because God is punishing you for no reason, it's just the consequences for how I've been living and the decisions I've been making and what I've been doing. So Lord, at the end of verse 13, you know what he says to him? He's, Nathan says, David, listen, God sees your sin. He's dealing with your sin and you're not going to die. You know what that means? It means that when it comes to your Jericho and it comes to your sin, when it comes to my sin and my Jericho, my salvation is still secure. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to go to hell. I'm going to heaven. However, <laughs> when it comes to the consequences for my sin, pain is going to be part of the gig. I don't know how the rest of you feel, but I got no problem with dealing with the pain that is associated with my own sin, especially because, hey, I know I'm saved. You guys can laugh at me. You guys can say, that's what you get. <laughs> the world can say, oh, he wanted to be a Christian, but now look at him. Look what's on Facebook now. Look what's on the news now. Look what happened to his family now. But if I know that my salvation is secure, you know what, Lord? This is because of my sin. If I wasn't doing what I was doing, I wouldn't be experiencing what I'm experiencing now. Lord, just, just don't leave me. Yes. Don't leave me. That's a scary place, and that's even tough to preach. But man, I hope some of you guys end up there this week. I love that God is so good that he tells us in advance, hey, listen, this is going to come back. It might be six months from now. It might be two years from now. But when it comes back, it's a consequence for what you did, but I will be with you. We'll get through it. Verse 14. However, because... By this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and laid all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. Number three. There's completion on the seventh day. Completion on the seventh day. God wants to kill your Jericho. God wants to kill your Jericho. It's a little bit hard today because we're talking about a child and we get emotional in this story. But God is trying to teach us something that, listen, I want to kill your Jericho. If it was born and birthed out of sin, I'm going to kill it. I'm not going to play with it. I'm not going to rearrange it for you. I'm not going to make it something that you can hold on to. I'm going to kill it. David is praying and fasting and laying on the ground. He's not eating. He's not talking to anybody. You know what he's saying? God, is there any way that I can keep some of this? Is there any way that we could just, it's not the child's fault. Is there any way that we can turn this around for good? And God says, nope, I'm going to kill it. Your Jericho is going to die. <laughs> That's how it works. In James 1.13, Scripture says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one of us is tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives, for, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. God's saying, listen, if it was thought of in sin, and it was conceived in sin, and it was birthed in sin, it's going to lead to death. You have two choices. You can be killed by it, or we can kill it. Yes. The 
Those are the only choices. When it comes to your Jericho, God doesn't want to play with it and see how it grows up. It's a sin monster. It's a beast. It's a murdering, killing beast. And that's what it's going to do. It's only a matter of time. That person you're still texting, it's going to kill your relationship at some point. That drink you're still taking is going to kill your family at some point. That money you're still hoarding is going to kill your liberality at some point. It's a sin monster and it, all it does is kill. I love that God is just so real with it. He's like, David, I know you're going to tell me all the reasons why we should let this child live, but it's got to die. Some people are thinking right now, eh, I don't know if I'm going to make it this week. <laughs> kind of hot. <laughs> they want me to pay $50 to go out in the sun <laughs> and walk around and ask God to kill the things in my life that I love. It even sounds crazy to me right now that I'm thinking about it. But I love it. Listen to what else God says here in verse 14. He says, because by this deed, you've given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. So if you're saved and you have a Jericho in your life, God wants to kill it before it kills you, right? He wants to take that out of your life. It's good for you, even though it's painful. He wants to get rid of that. But you know what else he says here? He says... How many of us, when, it, when we think about the Jerichos in our life, we think about the name of God? This is, this is like a confession time. I'm not going to tell you my Jerichos. It was, it was great. One of the leaders in the church, they, they sent a picture to some of us others, and, and it had five Jericho books. And it said, um, um, going back through all that God has done in my life through Jericho. But I wonder... I say that because I've got at least five. I've got, I've got Jerichos in my life. I've got nine years of doing this, 15 years of being saved. There's a lot of areas of my life where, where uh, I just needed God to come in and kill some things, right? But I don't know how often I, I would say to myself, Lord, you need to kill this for your own name. When people look at me and they see that, they're going to doubt you. Yeah. That's what God's saying here. This thing in your life will actually maybe cause somebody to spend eternity in hell because they'll doubt me because you allowed this to be in your life and you call yourself my daughter. You call yourself my son. And when they come to your house, they see this giant Jericho. And they say, if he is their God, I don't want him to be mine. Dang. We have so many reasons to have this thing killed in our lives. It's a tough pill to swallow. He wants to do it for not only for your benefit and your blessing, but for the glory of his name. Bringing it down, verse 20. The child's now dead. It's, it's, it's been killed in David's life. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, went into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, what is it that you've done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food? And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and I wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that, my, that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Number four is eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and be married. When David was uh, taking this seven-day journey, like I said earlier, he was hoping 
he'd be able to keep some of what he knew was sin. Like many of us, we think it can't all be bad, right? Like, there's got to be something good in this. Even though we know it's sin, we want to keep a little bit of it. We think maybe there was something good and, and we just messed it up a little bit. So David's kind of going through that. Another thing I've realized about my Jerichos, and maybe some of you have realized it about yours, is that we really think that we can't live without it. It's been in our lives so long. We've been living that way so long. We've been doing that thing so long. We've been thinking that way so long that we really think we cannot live without this thing. We can't live without that person. We can't live without that thing. We can't live without that experience. We begin to think, I can't live without it. When it was all over for David, right, and it's dead in his life, he worshiped. He, he, uh, he ate food. He moved on and he said, I can't go back even if I wanted to. Think about that for a second. It's not a mourning that it's gone. It's a worshiping God that it's gone. It went from something you were begging God to let you keep and something you, couldn't, you thought you couldn't live without to now it's dead and you're praising God saying, thank God it's dead. Thank God it's gone. How does that happen? Every Jericho in my life has been through all of those stages we've talked about so far this morning. And at the end, every single time, I'm happier with it dead than I was with it alive. I never thought that I'd be that kind of person that would be happier without drugs, happier without alcohol, happier without running the streets, happier without, you know, all those things, whatever they might be. Amen. And then afterwards, I come into this building and I worship God. I say, thank you for killing it. When before I was begging that I could keep it. That's what God's teaching us in this story. David says, even if I wanted to go back to it, I can't go back now. Because when God kills something, it's all the way dead. Amen. I'm better without it. Amen. Eat, drink, and be merry. Worship God for who he is. Don't mourn the loss of your Jerichos in your life. Amen. Last verse. Verse 24. When all that's done, it says that David comforted Bathsheba, his wife. And he went into her and laid with her, and she bore a son and called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. I want to close this morning by, by reminding you that we serve the God who literally exchanges life for death. Right? It'd be, it'd be still good, but not as good if he said, I'm just going to kill a bunch of stuff in your life. But he said, I'm going to kill a bunch of stuff in your life, and then I'm going to birth a bunch of new things into your life. I'm going to fill the void where you thought that this was as good as it gets. When you thought she was as good as it gets, she ain't. He ain't. This thing is not. I have a high for you that's way better than that high that you've been getting. I have a joy for you that's way better than that momentary happiness that you've been getting. I've got a liberality and a love and a surrender for you that, that it can't even compare to all of that hoarding and withholding that you were living with. He doesn't just want to kill our Jericho. He wants to burst something into our lives. I wonder what it is right now that many of us are saying, I can't live without, and we're kind of scared, and we're kind of fearful to walk around that wall. We're kind of fearful to, to possibly risk it dying in our lives. I wonder what would happen if we began to think, like, Lord, what are you going to replace this with? What are you going to give me that I never thought I'd have? What am I going to be experiencing that I never thought I'd be able to experience? In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The thief does not come except to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. As your pastor, I, I love Jericho for a lot of different reasons. Um, one of the best is when I get to see uh, what gets birthed into people's lives. You know, uh, some of you have been sharing testimonies on, on uh, Facebook about things that God has done throughout Jericho. And one of the couples that, that uh, I was recently talked, talking to talked about not only the Jerichos that they dealt with over the last couple of years, but the things God added to their lives. Baptism got added to their lives, right? Uh, engagement got added to their life. Um, counseling got added to their life. 
financial peace got added to their life. All these things that get added. And then I think about scripture like this and I look around and I say, look at how many people are still uh, allowing the enemy to still kill and destroy in their life though. I hope to see a lot of walls come crashing down this week. I hope that uh, even if they don't come all the way crashing down, that many of you at the end of next week are able to testify, maybe share with me or somebody else here in the church, like, man, you've seen it in a way that you never saw it before. God's been telling you your story in a way that you've never heard it before. But I also want to pray for you guys this morning for, for strength. As I look back through, through what I've shared with you, matter of fact, why don't we stand and worship team, why don't you come up? As I look back through what I've shared with you guys this morning, uh, I know that it's not going to be easy for any of us <laughs> to go through what uh, I'm asking you to willingly go through this morning. To look at your sin, to look at your Jericho, to look at your problems, to look at your issues, to look at the things that you're involved in, uh, and look at it as an enemy of God. Not first consider yourself and how you feel and, and how it makes you feel and how long it's been around, but just to look at it for what it is and say, you know what, Lord? It is what it is. To be able to walk around this week and say, you know what, Lord? I'm, I'm expecting some consequences. It's like detox. Anybody who's ever been addicted, it gets worse before it gets better when you decide to detox. <laughs> There's consequences for the way that we've been living. And the enemy convinces us that, hey, the only way for you to have peace is you have to keep living this way. If you try to stop, it's going to hurt. You're going to go through withdrawals, and you're just going to keep coming right back to me. No, you know what, Lord? I'm ready for the consequences. Amen. I've been living this way with my finances for 20 years. Maybe it's going to take 10 years to get it back where it needs to be, but I'm ready for those consequences. I'm ready for that battle. I'm ready for that fight. I've been living in this kind of relationship for this long, but you know what? I'm ready for the consequences of telling this person, I will not live this way anymore. And if that means I have to lose you, well, then I have to lose you. If that means that you are willing <laughs> to change as well, then maybe we can change with the Lord. But I'm ready for the consequences. To be able to say to yourself, uh, God is on a mission to kill this, not change it. That's going to be a tough week. It's got to die. You think you can't live without it, but I think you can. I know you can. I know you'll be happier afterwards. I know that you will be able to worship in a way that you are not able to worship right now. You think you're free in worship already? You know, Raymond brought a bunch of us up here that, that, that uh, said, hey, I want healing. I want something more. There's, there's something God has for me. And I took a step of faith and I went to the altar and I, maybe I raised my hands for the first time. Maybe I opened my voice for the first time. And you get a taste of that freedom. You know no freedom like the freedom when the walls come crashing down in your life. And, and you get to worship. Here's, here's, a, here's a good picture for you. When you get to worship from that place, it's like no worship you've had before because you've never been in that place before. The walls come crashing down in the story of Jericho and they go rushing in and they take the land and now they get to stand in a place that used to be owned by the enemy and they get to glorify God from there. You have never worshipped like worshipping from that place on the rubble of your Jericho when it's been killed. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then to take back a new life. Exchange your death for life. So let's, so let's pray. So let's pray. Let's pray, Lord. Lord. <clears throat> this week is just a reminder of what you want every week to be like, Lord God. We've decided to say, you know what, Lord? We're going to dedicate a significant amount of time every day to seeking you. We're going to be quiet and expect you to be the one who does the speaking this week, Lord God. We're going to worship you before, during, and after this week, Lord. If we're hurting, we're still going to sing. If it's painful to watch what we love and what we've been uh, living with for so long die a slow death, we're still going to worship you. We're going to say, Lord, this week we're going to be tired from work. We're going to be preparing to send our kids back to school. 
We're going to get flat tires. We're going to have uh, extra bills show up. But we're not going to let any of that stop us. We are going to pursue you no matter what happens this week. And we're going to come in faith expecting to be changed, expecting healing to come, deliverance to come, walls to fall down. And your response to us is, why is this week any different than any other? <laughs> this is what I want from you all the time. This is what I'm willing to do for you all the time, Lord God. But you know, Lord, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. This week, we just make a declaration that what it looks like physically, Lord, we pray that it would be that way spiritually all the time, God. Deliver us, Lord, for your glory, for your name. Deliver us from our Jerichos. With every head bowed, with every eye closed this morning, there's, there's a precursor to Jericho. When God first saves the children of Israel, he parts the Red Sea. They go from being slaves in bondage to being all the way free, set free miraculously through this parting of the Red Sea. And that's that first miracle of deliverance and salvation. When Jericho starts, he parts the Jordan River, and then they go in and they take the land of Jericho when God brings these walls down. That's the second deliverance. But many of you who are here, or maybe some of you who are here, you haven't even experienced the first. You can't say, search me, O oh God. Lead me in a new path if he's not your God yet. If he hasn't saved you yet. If you don't know him like, like uh, David knows him. David said, you knew me before I was born. All my days are written in your book. Nobody loves me the way that you love me. You've got to enter into that salvation first. So if that's you, you're not saved yet, but you want to be. You haven't experienced the first miraculous move of God in your life, that first deliverance. Would you just raise your hand if you're not saved here this morning, but you want to be? Hallelujah. Anybody in the building that doesn't know God like David knows God? That chapter, you don't have that yet. Anybody, just raise your hand before we move forward. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. A bunch of saved people, prayfully ready for Jericho victory now. So similar to Raymond, I'm going to call those now to the altar for deliverance, for healing. If God's done something in your life, you heard me testify about my addiction to drugs and alcohol and it being gone in one day. Then <laughs> these further deliverances that have happened, if you're saved in this building, you didn't raise your hand, you're already saved, but you have a Jericho and you want God to deliver you this week, this month, this year, whenever he sees fit, would you come that you would be prayed for? The altars are open. You want to start your Jericho right now and say, you know what, Lord, it's here, but I want it to be gone. It's in my heart. It's in my mind. It's a fortified city. I know that unless you do something, it's not going to happen. I don't want to live like this for another year, for another decade. I don't want to pass this on to my kids. I don't want them to be telling a story. <laughs> about how they had to be the one to find victory because I couldn't find victory. Hallelujah, Lord. You're going to start a seven-day journey. You saw where David's seven-day journey went. You saw what he had to experience. You saw how painful it was, but on the other side of it was worship. On the other side of it was glory. David had new life, and God was able to get the glory that he deserves from taking that out of his life. If there's anybody else that wants prayer, make your way down here, Lord. I just thank you for every son that's down here, every daughter that's down here, Lord God. We are not alone. Our Jerichos, we're not isolated. We're not the only ones who are dealing with something. We want to deal with it with you, Lord God. We're not waiting for you to expose this, that we would fall to our knees, Lord. We've come to the altar saying, Lord, I bow down before you. I ask you for your help. I don't want this in my life, and I know that you don't want it in my life, Lord God. I pray right now that you would give each one of these men, each one of these women, Lord God, the strength to make it through the week, Lord. We heard earlier that if you show up one day, no, Lord, we're going to show up seven days. We are going to seek you. We are going to come expecting. We don't care what else has to die, Lord, that you would be able to bring new life into us, Lord God. Give them the strength, Lord, when they see it for what it is, not to run away from it, Lord God. 
you're with them. You will not leave them. You will not forsake them, Lord God. When you begin to show us that it has to die and how painful that's going to be, give them strength to endure, Lord God. We need you, Lord. We can't make, th make it through this without you, Lord. We've tried. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Draw us into you, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.